Maps? Check. Snacks? Double check. Tunes? Check. I'm Tony Stewart. I'm Aaron Badgley. And we are cruising the rock and roll highway in our way back music machine. Are you ready, my friend? I sure am. I have the feeling this is going to be the start of a great adventure. Kind of a magical mystery tour. Somehow I knew you were going to say that. Man, Aaron, I can't believe how gorgeous California is. We're finally here. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful state. Fresh oranges, the ocean air, the sound of the waves. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. And you know what's even more amazing is I can't believe we got this way back music machine for such a deal. Yeah, I'm, I'm still a bit worried about that, Tony. That was a, maybe too good of a deal, but well, here we are, though. So Yeah, it's working well so far. So, you know, here we are in sunny California, and we're hopefully going to travel back to 1956 i've heard uh, you know that this time machine is working so that'll be great and uh, lots going on back in 1956 in the rock and world rock and world world especially oh, you know it well everything was going on in 1956 and i, I even found a chart from 1956 so oh very nice yeah Hey, I see somebody uh, hitchhiking there. That no, looks don't familiar. stop! Don't stop! No, but oh, nobody wait. looks familiar. I think that's I think that's Bernard Fraser. I'm just gonna. I think it, yeah. Okay, I gotta pull over. Hold on. There he is. Bernard, Bernard, hop in, man. Quick, we can't stop for long. Hey guys, Aaron, is that hey. you, Tony? Yeah. <laughs> hey, what the heck? Nice wheels. Yeah, thanks. Fancy seeing you here. What are you doing out uh, this way, pal? I'm just in Frisco, hanging out with my pal Paul Myers. We were doing um, a quick chat for my new uh, podcast called The Essence of Cool. So I was hanging out with him, and he was telling me all about uh, why he thinks uh, people like Judy Sill and Elvis Costello uh, are the essence of cool. And it was it was very cool. Well, fancy meeting you guys here. Love the wheels, man. We don't normally pick up hitchhikers. I just want to put that out to you. Uh, this is against my policy, but Tony insisted to stop. I don't know, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm a pretty scruffy-looking character, too, so I don't blame you. <laughs> well, and you know what? My I'm a little younger than Aaron is, so my vision's a little better. And <laughs> <laughs> I just got new glasses. <laughs> so what are you guys up to? Well, we are uh, on our way to uh, San Diego in 1956, actually. Sweet. So you can go back in time and everything. That's amazing. We've got an 8-track player. player. Does your new Church of Trees album come on (laughs) 8-track? We're thinking about that. We're going to go with cassette and then 8-track after that. Yeah, I do 8-track then. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got both actually. The uh, Matt, yeah, the Wayback Music Machine's got uh, eight track and cassette. So whatever you give us, Bernard, we're. Listen, I got to tell you, I loved my eight track. I had a copy of Montrose, the first Montrose album, on eight track, and on eight track, and we wore that sucker out, man. <laughs> my, my first eight track, believe it or not, was uh, I know this is going to be hard to believe for you guys, but it's Magical Mystery Tour by the Beatles. Oh, what a no way! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, me being younger than you guys, I uh, I didn't have eight track, so. You, oh man, Tony, <laughs> you're missing out, bud. 
Nothing quite like hearing Freebird cut in the middle for no reason other than to fit into a track. <laughs> that was the best thing. The kachunk, 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 kachunk. We're in the middle of a solo, too. <laughs> so, Bernard, you're, uh, you're in the middle of some stuff with your uh, band, Church of Trees, too. What are you up to? We're actually uh, releasing, uh, we have released, pardon me, have released our new album, Pause, uh, which is uh, very cool. We've got Carol Pope on there from Rough Trade. She sings a, a song I wrote called World's a Bitch, and she's just amazing. And we, we've done a ton of work with the great Rob Proust of Honeymoon Suite and Spoons. Such a nice guy. He is a super guy and so great to work with and so creative. Uh, he's done three remixes on the album for us and collaborated on two of the songs. World of, World's a Bitch, of course, is one of them. And he's also done one of the, uh, the instrumentals. I threw him a, an instrumental called Ego and Greed. And he went to town on that and is it ever cool. So we're, we're really super excited and, about that. And you have a guitarist on uh, one of the tracks too, very special guitarist too. We do. In fact, uh, so Rob did, one of the remixes Rob did was for a song called Powerful Love. And uh, he's done a real cool sort of chic like uh, Niall Rogers version of this. And the guy he got to play uh, the guitar for us was uh, is Jeffrey Lee Campbell who is Sting's former guitar player oh my uh, and he wow. yeah he's amazing so he as close as you can get to Nile Rogers without Nile Rogers he was wonderful it's a great album I, I've had the privilege of hearing it and it's it's a, an amazing album yeah Fantastic. I agree I agree it's a great album and a podcast is great too so um, you know I, go to the essence of folks to listen to that one it's great well, thank you so much, guys. And oh, I hate to say it, but it looks like my turn's coming up here. I got to go visit Jordan, and I got to make a left turn here into the Hollywood Hills. So I can, he's actually, I'm going back in time now, too, because uh, in 1998, uh, where I'm going, he's living with Courtney Love up in the Hollywood Hills. So I get a chance to hang out with Courtney and, and Jordan. So he I'm going to hop. Do you want some chips? Do you want some bag of chips or something to go with you? <laughs> You're going to be hungry in a little while. Right. <laughs> just exactly what are you saying? What are you implying, guys? I'm just asking. Ask. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm uh, going to duck and roll out of here, guys. Listen, you have a great trip to San Diego and, and uh, enjoy the ride, man. Well, Bernard, uh, it was great talking to you, but it, since this is virtual reality, we're just going to toss you out the door while we're going at full speed. Oh, it was great to see you guys. You take nice care. See ya. See ya. Bye. Man, I feel terrible throwing Bernard out like that, but did you see the way he nailed that landing? It was beautiful. The somersault, the landing on his feet, the use of his back. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, incredible. I, that'd be a 10 in my book. Yeah, but the Russian judge is being a bit grumpy. He gave it a 2. Oh, the Russian judge. It's always them. I know. You know, Aaron, though, I kind of feel bad because I did tell you to get rid of those old brakes. Well, I did, Tony. That's why we ain't got none. <laughs> All right, so we're going to be next going... Time, next time we'll stop for the, our guest, okay? Yes, I promise. Yes, we'll, we'll fix uh, the brakes. Uh, we're going to scare guests off, the, uh, off coming into the music machine here. <laughs> so we're going to travel back to 1956. Lots going on. I've been told that the time machine's working just fine. Yeah, no, no side effects, right? No, I sure hope not. I sure <laughs> hope not. And you know what I realized is 
we don't have a COVID shield back there for our guests. We'll have to put one in, I guess. Well, there was no COVID in 1956. Though. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so uh, we're going to head back to 1956 because I think there was something very special involving the king of rock and roll going on on April 3rd. But we'll have to dial it into the radio. I, I was told that you have to use the radio to go back in time. So we have to look up station 195.6. Can you dial that in? Uh, I'll try. Um, sorry, it was a 196? No, no, 195.6. 195 points. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> 195.6. Got it. There. A couple of hamburgers and two coffees, one black. Better get some more cigarettes, dear. Oh, miss, will you bring us two packs of Winston's, please? You know, I see more people smoking Winston's. Sure. Winston's tastes good. Like a cigarette should. Winston, Winston filled a cigarette, easy drawing, filled a cigarette. Winston's new and king size too, brings flavor back to you. Winston, Winston tastes real good, rich and full like a cigarette should, brings real flavor back to you. Try a pack of Winston. Winston is the cigarette that changed America's mind about filter smoking. Winston brings you a filter that really works, lets you draw so easily and enjoy that real tobacco flavor. Yes, Winston gives you finer flavor in a filter cigarette that's easy drawing. Try king-size Winston. Winston tastes good, like a cigarette should. Well, judging by uh, that commercial, because they don't talk about cigarettes like that anymore, we must be in 1956. And I just have the sudden vision of dancing cigarettes going through my brain, but, you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh... In a couple of hours, because we're approaching San Diego here, Elvis Presley is going to be making a, a pretty important appearance. He's going to be appearing for the first time on the Milton Berle show, but not the famous Hound Dog uh, performance on June 5th, 1956. This is the April 3rd performance where he's on the USS Hancock, an aircraft carrier, for a military show. Uh, and it's his first time on the Milton Berle show. And this one is a little bit more understated, but... Uh, kind of set the stage a little bit for the hysteria that was soon to come. Well, Milton, uh, Milton Burrow was Mr. TV, Mr. Television, right? Yeah. And uh, Uncle Milty. And uh, his show was watched by a lot of people. And this particular episode you're talking about was seen by one in four Americans. Yeah, isn't that incredible? It's amazing. It's amazing. Given the fact there was only 39 million TV sets sold in 1956. Yeah, that's, that's astounding. I mean, those numbers even now would be decent ratings, actually. Oh, so, yeah. are you kidding? The people would give their right arm for those ratings these days. Now, have you seen that episode? I went back and watched it, actually, and it was it was interesting. It's a bit awkward at times. I mean, it's very, first of all, Elvis is always great. I yes. Mean, Elvis, at this point in his career, he was hungry, and he was trying to make it big, and he yes. succeeded. But it's a bit awkward, right? You know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking about. There's a few things that make it awkward. I mean, right off the bat, just the way that he's being treated a little bit like, um, you know, uh, not being treated disrespectfully, but not being treated all that seriously either. Um, but then uh, when Milton Berle does a sketch where he says he's Elvis's twin brother, that kind of made me cringe. And uh, you know why. Well, why don't you tell people why that uh, well, was cringe? Elvis, is, uh, Elvis did have a twin brother. That's right. Who, who died at birth. And, yeah, his uh, twin brother, Jesse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Elvis never got over it, nor did his mother. I mean, uh, one of the big problems for Elvis was his mother's overprotection of him. 
because of Jesse, right? Well, that's right. And um, I have a feeling that he must have just, when Milton proposed the idea, because I'm sure it was Milton's idea, that he just said yes, you know, uh, being polite and wanting to please. Because that's uh, what people sometimes don't remember, is Elvis was always extremely polite. He was. Um, but you can see the discomfort, well, the awkwardness on his face. He's very polite and pleasant. But there's still that kind of like, I don't know, man. But he was treated more like a novelty act than a music act, you know? Well, exactly. And folks, this show was for a military audience, so it was for the troops. But uh, you know you know what else struck me? The difference between 1956 TV was the, the production values were very different because you can see people looking around. Oh, is it my turn now? You know, yeah. the camera's on them and they're not sure whether they're supposed to come in. So, yeah. it's, it's like the variety. It's like the Weather Network took over a variety show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, you know, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, you know who else was on that show? Was, mm. uh, was Buddy Rich, the drummer. I love Buddy Rich. I'm amazing drummer, don't you think? I am. I'm going to go on a little tangent here. Have you have you heard? This is a great. Every musician knows of these. Have you heard of the uh, Buddy Rich tapes? Uh, yeah, vaguely. Yeah. Okay. So do you know what I'm talking about? Go ahead. Okay. So Buddy Rich, Jerry Seinfeld references this in his comedy act, actually. And uh, Buddy Rich was famous for just excoriating his band after just about every show like he would just lay into them and um, not politely either and he'd be dropping f-bombs everywhere and the thing about his band was that they were incredible and they were tight but he would just lose it and uh, one night one of the band members secretly tape recorded it and these tapes became legend and if you listen to them it's like wow um it's something else, but yeah, like I said, Jerry Seinfeld thinks they are the funniest thing. You know? There's, there's a, there's a, a something similar with Orson Welles and William Shatner, where people oh. were recording their kind of, <laughs> um, shall we say, breakdowns. But yeah, <laughs> I've heard the, I've actually heard the Buddy Rich tapes. They're quite, they're quite um, colorful. Oh yeah, musicians, we love them. We we always make jokes about <laughs> it, right? I'm gonna go Buddy Rich on you here in a minute. <laughs> did, what, wasn't Buddy the guy that used to drum upside down once in a he while? He did, did everything. Yeah, he was a showman. Right? Yeah, he was always billed as the fastest drummer in the world. But uh, I think <laughs> I think there's a few screamo bands who could give him a run for his money. But I think he was pretty fast, right? Yeah, he was. He, I mean, he was an incredible musician, and actually, he employed a lot of young musicians and gave them their chance. You know, and I guess he really did love his bands, but he was such a perfectionist. Did he find them too if they made a mistake? Oh yeah, it was it was <laughs> over the top. Like you had to be perfect if you were in Buddy's band, but uh, yeah, sorry about the tangent, but I just thought I, I, just, I, I should tell you, my mother actually saw Buddy Rich play at the Palais Royale in Toronto Okay, and she thought he was amazing, so there you go, I heard all about it for years Yeah, exactly. So this performance of Elvis's on the aircraft carrier was just a, just a short performance too, just a few songs, but uh, you can already see the uh, seeds of the superstar that Elvis is going to become, you know, like uh, he, he's moving his hips a little bit. Nothing like the hound dog appearance on June 5th, but uh, well, you can he did, just see it. He did Heartbreak Hotel, Shake, Rattle, and Roll, and the very, one of my favorites, Blue Suede Shoes. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorites too. And he got bad reviews. Jack Gould in the uh, New York Times, who, by the way, put down the Beatles too, so he's in good company. Yeah. 
He reviewed the show by saying, you know, Mr. Presley has no discernible singing ability for the ear. He's an unmutterable bore. Wow. Yeah, I, mean, I was reading press about that show. I mean, he wasn't the only one who panned Elvis. No, every, everyone did. Yes. Yeah, I think, you know, they just were not ready for Elvis Presley. But uh, this performance set the seeds for June 5th, and the June 5th one, of course, is the one that pushed him over the top uh, to becoming a superstar, was the hound dog appearance. And um, when he decided to just write uh, in the middle of the song, slow the band down and get uh, his swagger on and sing the really slow verse, and uh, it was incredible. Uh, one of my favorite Elvis performances. But to your point, I mean, if you think about, you know, in a few minutes we're going to talk about the top five of that week. Rock and roll has was still in its infancy, and and it was still a novelty, and people thought this is a fad and it'll disappear overnight and it'll comes it'll leave as quickly as it came. Little did people know that seventy years later we'd still be digging Elvis, right? So well, that's right. But yeah, the uh, so the June fifth one was a couple of months later. Milton Berle got him back on, and that put him over the top, and of course created a huge scandal but uh, April 3rd 1956 Elvis appeared on the USS Hancock in San Diego what was on the charts uh, that week Aaron? Well I wonder how many of the songs you know um, number 5 was the Teenagers Why Do Fools Fall in Love of course I know that song it's a great song Yes. number 4 <laughs> try not to laugh number 4 was a band from Toronto Actually, four guys from Toronto called The Four Lads, and they had a hit with a song called No, Not Much. And I know that when you and I were talking, it reminded you of a certain skit from Second City, did it not? Yeah, it reminded me of the SCTV skit, The Five Neat Guys. (laughs) (laughs) I love the cardigans. I love the cardigans, yeah. They must be modeled off a group like that, for sure. Oh, 100%. Four Lads. (laughs) I, I always thought it was funny that they actually were scouted by... New York City scouts. I'm thinking, what the heck was going on in New York City that time? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> K-Star was number three with the, don't be fooled by the title, folks, Rock and Roll Waltz, which would go to number one later on. Um, kind of a sappy song. Nelson Riddle was number two. I'm going to get this title wrong, so forgive me for my, you know, but it's Lisbon Antigon. Yeah. Yeah. Nelson Riddle would make a name for himself in films, and uh, he was an arranger and, 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 and brilliant musician, too. He wrote the music for Batman. Great. And he did... Did you ever hear the album he did with Linda Ronstadt in the 80s? I did not. Oh. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful album. And number one was the uh, ever-popular Les Baxter, and the kind of an awkward title, The Poor People of Paris. Um... And it's not about me, Miss. <laughs> but if you look at the charts, right, nothing on there resembling what Elvis Presley was doing. No, not, I mean, nothing close to Blue Suede Shoes or Hound Dog, which he'll do in two months' time, or, you know, Jailhouse Rock, which was later on, I know. But, I mean, nothing was there that he was... It's incredible how that must have... Can you... Well, here we are in 1956, right? So can you imagine turning on the radio, hearing, you know, four lads, and then all of a sudden hearing Blue Suede Shoes by Elvis? Oh, must yeah. Have, must have just been, you know. Well, not to bring them into the conversation, but remember what John Lennon said. You know, before Elvis, there was nothing, right? So. Yeah. And you know, you're speaking of the radio, and uh, we have to tune the radio again, because I think uh, we're going to jump, we're going to head down, first of all, to uh, the Hawthorne, California. 
Well, before we go, can we stop for a malted shake, please? Yeah, let's do that. Let's pull over. And uh, can you, while we're pulling over, can you turn tune the radio to 196.4? 194.6? 196.4. Got it. Okay. 196.4. Here are Vic Damone and Johnny Summers for the 64 Ford. Take the wheel. Take the wheel. One test drive and you'll see Fords for 64. Have new quality. Smoother ride. Smoother ride. Motability. Try to performance for a change. Take the wheel. Take the wheel. drive a new super torque ford for 64 it's stronger smoother steadier than any car in its class drive the 64 fairlane the family car with a sports car feel test drive a 64 falcon new clear through but still the all-time economy champ try total performance for a change your ford dealer will show you why ford has declared this the year of the test man i love car commercials from the 60s don't you Oh, they're the best. They yeah. are the absolute best. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the jingles and the there, there's some hilarious ones out there. Well, you know what? While we're here, we tune the radio, and here are, here are so many. So that's okay. That's well, okay. that's right. And you know what was happening on April second of '64? The Beach Boys were recording what was going to be their number one hit, "I Get Around." Now, the Beach Boys were, well, we're here in Hawthorne, California, right? Yeah. And they performed in 61, and they were really, well, there was the three brothers, Brian, Dennis, and Carl, and then their cousin, Mike Love. Yes. Funny name for a guy who's pretty darn angry sometimes. And uh, their friend, Al Jardine. Yes. Um, and they were, they were started by their, their dad, Murray. Uh, yeah, Murray was their manager slash mentor, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he slash. ended up. Yeah, exactly. But uh, on April 2nd, they recorded I Get Around. And actually, you know, speaking of Murray, uh, all the fuss over the studio time and, uh, you know, Murray's antics, he ended up getting fired after this song. So, By, by the Beach Boys themselves. Yes, yes. Which was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, uh, I Get Around went to number one. And, uh, you know, the Beach Boys were one of the bands, I guess, that weathered the British invasion better than some, didn't they? Well, they, I mean, you think about it. Before the Beatles, you had um, Frankie Valli and, and the Four Seasons, and none of them, they couldn't survive the Beatles. I mean, they came back in the, in the 70s with the whole Grease soundtrack, but they kind of disappeared for the 60s, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part. I, I mean, most of the 50s bands, I mean, even Roy Orbison only had one more hit after the Beatles hit, which was uh, Pretty Woman. Great song. Um, but the Beach Boys, yeah, they weathered the storm, and, and part of that's due to Brian Wilson because he he was a musical in, innovator. I mean, he was competition to the Beatles, and the oh, Beatles acknowledged sure. that. They acknowledged it. Right? Oh yeah, they they say openly that Pet Sounds was one of their favorite albums. I mean, what a what an incredible achievement that was. That's a great album, though. I mean, you know, you can put it on today, and it still sounds. You know, God only knows is a fantastic song, right? Yep. Wasn't wasn't God only knows the B side? What was the yeah. It was the yeah. B side, right? For uh, I yeah. get around. Yeah, I mean, that's what right. A, what a double threat. Uh, I mean, yeah. So Wilson was a genius. I mean, unfortunately, he 
you know, he didn't, um, he had some problems with uh, mental health and with drugs and substance abuse, but man, he could write and he could produce too. I mean, he produced those tracks, right? Yeah, and didn't he get, uh, didn't he get in a squabble with Mike over the songwriting credits for this song as well? All of the Beach Boy songs. Mike Love claims that he co-wrote all of them and there was a big lawsuit. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of love out of Mike Love. I don't, have you ever seen Mike Love with the Beatles? Um, brought into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I uh, don't think so. Oh, Google it. And he makes a speech about the Beatles and the Stones and how they don't hold a candle to the Beach Boys. Oh, really? So he made it about him? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and he, my favorite line was, where are the Beatles in 1986, man? They're not Turing. Nope. No, Mike, they're not because they're missing one guy and they broke it up in 1970, so... <laughs> exactly. Oh, Mike, Mike, Mike. And you know what I, I think we should point out to uh, people who are listening to us right now is that even though they were the Beach Boys and the surf sound and, you know, the California surf craze and all that stuff, only one of them actually surfed. I, I always thought that was hilarious. It is so funny. And that was Dennis. <laughs> that was Dennis. Wilson. That's right. The drummer. Drummer. Yeah. And uh, I know Brian didn't want anything to do with water and uh, neither did the other guys, you know. No, although Brian did fill his house with sand at one point to help him write. Yeah, he did a lot of things. Eh? Like, he like <laughs> went off the rails for a while, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was... Um, yeah, and Dennis, is, and Dennis, oddly enough, the only surfer, and he uh, unfortunately passed away by drowning. Yep. So just, just, there you the, go. The, there's a lot of tragedy with the Beach Boys. I mean, you know, you talk, you know, you talk about the Beatles and Charlie Manson, the whole... Beach Boys and Charlie Manson story yes. is is incredible when you get into that whole story about Dennis Wilson and uh, oh well, but yep. So the Beach Boys recorded "I Get Around" their first number one, right? Well, that's right. And you know uh, who did they get knocked off by? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think people know, but I'll let you uh, explain. Well, <laughs> they got knocked off by the the Fab Four from Liverpool. That's right, and. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about something that the Beatles achieved on, on in April. But And this week, in the top five, the or top five of the Billboard charts in America, the Beach Boys had just been knocked out of the top five, and they were number six mm-hmm. um, with Fun, Fun, Fun. Number five was the Four Seasons, who I talked about, with a song called Dawn, which I just heard for the first time in years the other night on the radio, and I just thought, what a great song. Now, get ready. Number four was uh, the Beatles with Please Please Me. Number three was The Beatles with Twist and Shout. Number two was The Beatles with I Want to Hold Your Hand. And number one was The Beatles with She Loves You. And folks, <laughs> I think you can guess that uh, we're going to be taking the Wayback Music Machine on a Beatles-themed road trip next week because uh, <laughs> I think most people know what's coming up, a pretty special moment. So that's what's on the charts in 1964. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it's just, uh, the again, you know, being here in 64 and hearing all this music is just uh, phenomenal, right? Just phenomenal. Now, you know what, Aaron? Uh, I think we should check our voicemail. I'm just noticing on my phone here because, God, it works in 1964 and my phone is still working. Isn't that crazy? Did, what kind of uh, plan do you have? I don't know. Are you on 5G? I must be. I must be. <laughs> but uh, I'm noticing, I'm really excited because on our website, we have the ability for our fans to 
call in and leave us voicemail. And I'm noticing that there's a voicemail here, so I'm super excited. I can't see. I can't wait to see what our fans have to say. I'm all ears. Yeah, let's play it. Let's play it. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Tony. It's Andrea calling. I know you guys are super busy on the road, but if you could, could you stop at like a no frills or something and get some potatoes and carrots and almond milk for me? That would be so nice. Thank you. Hope you guys are good. See you soon. Bye. Oh, well, at least we know our uh, voicemail works, but uh, do they even have almond milk in 1964, Aaron? You know, I'm, I'm believing they don't. And uh, I'm not going to pick up any other kind of milk for her. I'm, if we get back to 2021, I'll pick up some almond milk. This is the, the joys of living with a vegan. Tony. Oh, there you go. Well, you know what? I do think it's time uh, to go back to 2021 because the... Uh, she, she is a wonderful person. I'm not making fun of the almond milk, honey. It's good. It's good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and uh, we, we should get back because the gas meter is getting kind of low. So can you uh, dial in uh, 202.1 on the radio there? I've got it. And i got a treat for you when we come back to 2021. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, dial it in and here we go. kind of a fun inaugural road trip wasn't it the wayback machine held up well i guess we should get the brakes fixed this week but uh, well i guess we I'll, need brakes first of all <laughs> i'll take care of the brakes i'll take care of the brakes i misunderstood what you said but i'll take care of the brakes <laughs> so you know aaron that i'm a, a teacher i do know that i've been a teacher for about 25 years now i think i get the watch from the union this year but um nice nice very yeah. nice yeah but uh, i thought you know maybe whenever we get back to the present maybe we should just see what the kids are listening to today to see how great music has become now now you know i'm a chart guy yeah i'm a chart guy i follow the charts so i picked a song that's in the top 30 right now and and billboard charts it's going up the charts and I've, i've actually sent you a link so you can actually listen to machine gun kelly featuring black bear and the song is called My Ex's Best Friend. Okay, I think you'll so, enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, so this is going to be a regular thing, folks. Every week, next week, it'll be my turn. We're going to pick something that's on the charts and force the other guy to listen to it because <laughs> both of us are kind of getting curmudgeonly and we think music today, a lot of it sucks. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there, but there's a lot of crapola out there as well. Do you know, Tony, it's like the old saying goes, right? I suffered for this, now it's your turn. (laughs) Okay, well, you know what? I am going to, we'll take a break here and I'm going to listen to this. And folks, uh, the other thing is, I will be listening to this on the break, so Aaron's going to watch me listen to this entire song. (laughs) We'll be back in about 10 seconds with my reactions. (laughs) 